Every knee will bow. But Lord, we choose today to bring ourselves before you. And what an honor, what a privilege to come and say, Lord, you are our Savior. You are our King. You are our Lord. And we want to worship you with everything that is within us. Laying down our lives, not just our voices, Lord, but who we are belongs to you. And we give you praise and glory and honor this morning. Amen. Amen. It's great to see the halos on your heads out there. That's really awesome. I'm just looking up there. It's great to be with you today. It's part of the family. And uh, I was here last in November. You've had a facelift since then. Well, some of you had. I mean, the, the room has. The room's had a facelift since then. It looks quite bright, but nice, doesn't it? It's really cool. And who likes to change words to songs? I was singing a song earlier today. What, I think it was the second one. What was, how did it start off? Help me, someone. And it says, no matter what happens today, I, will never comp- I won't complain. I like to change that. <laughs> who thinks they've got to change words to songs sometimes? I have to say, I'll try not to complain. Who, who else does that? It's okay to do that because sometimes you think, help, I'm, I'm going to promise I'm not going to complain. And, uh, you know, it's pretty tough, isn't it, sometimes? Who agrees with me? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You'd have to change songs sometimes, as long as they still honor God. Is that all right? That's the most important thing. Did it say who I was up there? I'm trying to think who I was myself. Okay, uh, Paul Bennett's founding pastor. It's such an amazing title, isn't it? Wow. I always think it means floundering pastor is more like what it is, you know. Some of you will go, what on earth, who was that? I mean, he didn't start this church out here. Well, that's, that's on me because back at La Vida, Jill and I started the church there 30, nearly 32 years ago. Yeah, nearly 33 years ago. So that's, I think that's why they do that. They can't think of anything else to call me. They call me lots of other things, but that's the only one they can put up there. All right. I want to share some thoughts this morning. I hope you didn't record that beginning part over there. That, I'm in big trouble from the boss, Carl, when I get back, if he hears all that. I want to share today from Galatians chapter 6 and some principles from this great chapter that the Apostle Paul wrote. I want to read from verses 7 to 10 to start with. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Who has got an opportunity today? Another day God's given us as an opportunity to do good to those around about us. This passage starts with some very encouraging words. If you, that first bit again be awesome. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Who thinks that's really encouraging this morning? When someone is deceived, they are convinced they are right when really they're wrong. Isn't that true? When someone is deceived, they believe something to be true when actually that thing is false. That's true, isn't it? And sometimes, of course, they, they think that they are really right when they're really wrong. And of course the thing is, when someone is deceived, they don't know they're deceived. That's why they're deceived. Right? You're with me, aren't you? 
And I'm really sorry to disappoint you this morning, but it's not just people that don't yet believe in Jesus that can be deceived. Because believers can be also. This letter is written from the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia, and he realizes there's some problems here, and all the way through this book you see he's actually addressing areas of deception. We are deceived when we believe in a certain way or in a certain philosophy or we have an ideology or we do something or participate in something or, or that contravenes God's principles or his will for our lives. And then we are deceived if we begin to try to logically justify that, particularly with religious talk or, God forbid, out of context, Bible verses. No one's ever done that before, have they? That's deception. And here's the message Paul is proclaiming loud and clear to the Galatians and to us, I believe, today. Church, Christians, believers, he says, listen, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. You might try to justify something you've done or something that's happened, but I'll tell you something. If God doesn't agree with you, you're not going to change God's mind. His principles will always work. His word will always be true. In fact, if God and you ever disagree, guess who's going to be wrong? Every time. With four sons in our family, and actually three of them are here today, which is really interesting. Two of them are always here, and David's here also, and Andrew's back at La Vida this morning. With four sons in our family, there was never a dull moment, as you can imagine, especially when they were little. And one day, Jill was getting ready to go somewhere, and one of the sons came out and said, Mom, so-and-so, who won't be named, so-and-so's broken a milk bottle. Now, who remembers what a milk bottle was? (laughs) That sort of ages us a bit, doesn't it? So Jill went to the kitchen to investigate what was going on, and actually, no, it wasn't a milk bottle that was broken, but it was a number of vases that adventurous son had taken off the shelf and put on the edge of the kitchen bench to make an awesome tower out of. And so as he was putting the last one on the top of this wonderful tower, something happened and it toppled and all of them sort of journeyed onto the floor. Now, it would have been really awesome if mum could have come out and they were suspended in the air for a few moments, right? So she could have just scooped them all up and put them back on the kitchen bench. But no, because what happened was one of God's principles of creation came into being. The law of gravity took all of them and smashed them to the floor. See, God's principles never change. A number of years ago, you've probably heard, if you've been around our family for years, you know we go to Golden Bay up the top of the north there every year, have been going for nearly 50 years. Jill's been going since she was young, which is 35 years ago. Um, you know, on the, one day up there, a few numbers of years ago, there were, it was a lovely warm day as it often is, and, and a couple of families had decided to have a picnic on the beach. And they had put their deck chairs there, and they, they had rugs on the ground with you know, nice stemmed glasses and food and all this stuff, and just enjoying this wonderful picnic. And What they hadn't counted on, what they hadn't factored into their whole experience was that today was going to be a full moon, middle of the day, high tide. Who knows what they're like? 
And what happened was they were sitting on their deck chairs, sipping their whatever it was. It wasn't seawater, but they were sipping something, probably their wine, nibbling their food, quite oblivious to the gradual advancement of the tide. And as the, the waves sort of came in and sort of went out, gradually got closer, eventually what happened was a, a wave rolled right through their picnic spot, right around them and out, and all the stuff started floating in the water, and they grabbed things and were rushing and trying to get the glasses and get the food and the things, and, and of course none of us laughed about it, but actually <laughs> it, was, uh, and it started to go out with the receding wave. They had a good sense of humor as well. It was one of those things. So you can do whatever you like, but the tide will roll in twice a day, give or take. It's subject to the principles of God's creation. You can't stop the sun rising in the morning. You can't stop the moon from shining. You can't stop the tide from going in and out, the earth from spinning. No matter what I do, I can't stop God from going, being God. Have any of you discovered that? He's always good, right? We sung about some of these things this morning. He's always loving. He's always all-powerful. He's always full of mercy. He's always forgiving. He's always faithful. He's always holy, as we sang before. And all those things about God, I can dispute any of those things that I want to dispute. I can say they are not true, but in the end, I will be deceived because God is never going to change, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can never be untrue to his character or his word or his principles. And that's called the irrefutable immutability of God. I'd like to say that five times in a hurry. The irrefutable immutability of God. My son David said that a couple of years ago in one of his messages, so I thought I'd pinch that phrase. I thought it was pretty good. What does it mean? It means that God cannot change. That's immutability. And being, it's undeniable. It's irrefutable. You cannot deny God's character will never change. His nature is always the same. It's the irrefutable immutability of God. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. His principles never change. Let's finish verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. Here's one of those principles. Never changes. Any agriculturalist or crop farmer will tell you this one. And a wheat farmer doesn't just walk out into his paddock one day and go, wow, there's wheat. How on earth did that get there? That's amazing. No. A wheat farmer has planted the seed several months earlier, hasn't they? Haven't they? Or she, and they've, they've watered, they've irrigated, and they've done all the other things that Wheat farmers do, which I've got no idea about, but some, they do something and, and, they, and they care for their crop. And, and several months later, they know there's going to be a wheat crop. All they don't know is the quality of the crop and how much it's going to be worth, right? But he planted wheat and expected wheat. He reaped what he'd sown. Now, for some reason, these guys and Galatia had forgotten this principle. So Paul is reminding them in his letter. He's saying, don't fool yourselves, Galatians. You certainly can't fool God. He's established a universal principle here. We reap what we sow. It's true in the natural and it's true in the spiritual. Now I discovered a fascinating fact about these next verses, 8 to 10. I'm going to 
ask you to put it back up again, and they're not all up there at once, unfortunately. But, you know, if you count them out of 8 to 10, there's 71 words in those three verses, right? But when you look at those, and we can scroll to the next one, when you look at those 71 words, I've discovered only 12, 12 are negative, which means 71 minus 12, 59 of the words talking about sowing and reaping in here in Galatians are positive words. That's very, very cool. And yet when most people talk about the sowing and reaping principle, they get quite negative and say, oh, I've got to be careful. You've got to reap what you sow, you know, which is very true. But it's only a small part of the story. And it seems to me there's a very powerful aspect to this principle, which Paul is reminding the Galatians, and that we can neglect it if we're not careful. And I think it's part of his purpose for writing these words. He's saying there's a wonderful, positive aspect to sowing and reaping. There are great blessings to be had if you put it into place. There's a good chance maybe about one of us here today might need to be reminded of it. I've discovered if you start looking at your Bible, there are heaps of verses that demonstrate this principle. And I had a number, and I've already knocked out a few, and I've told them to change the thing this morning because it could go on forever. But let's just, let's just run past a few for you. Proverbs 11.25. Look at this one. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There's two principles in here. So generously, so generosity, sorry, you reap prosperity. Now, that's a can of worms, right? Because un- unfortunately, when we get this word prosperity, we think, oh, here goes the prosperity gospel. Talking about money again. <laughs> you know. When you look up the meaning, it doesn't even have anything to do with money. It talks about thriving. It talks about being satisfied. So what is it telling me? It's saying, if I sow generously, God's promised I'm going to reap satisfaction and I'm going to thrive in my life. That's a great thing to, to reap, isn't it? The other one there is so refreshing. Guess what happens? We're going to reap refreshing. Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. I like that one. That's good. That's NIV, I think. So what is that telling me? Here's the principle. So hard work. What are you going to reap? You're going to reap provision. So hard work, reap provision. Look at the next one. Proverbs 13, 10. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. There's a good one. So if I seek advice and so into my life, I'm going to reap wisdom. Who needs wisdom today? Sometimes it's a good thing to find it from somebody else. I don't always know everything, but I almost do. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. What is that telling us? Sow into good relationships. What are you going to reap? You're going to reap good relationships. You've got to work at it. Luke 6, I could spend probably half an hour on each of these ones. Luke, Luke 11, what's 11 got to do with Luke? I've got no idea. Except when it's 11, but it's not at 6, okay? I wish you'd stop interrupting yourself, Paul. That's okay, I'm trying not to. But anyway, Luke 6, 38. We all came this morning. We're all here. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. I love this verse, don't you? For with the measure you use, it will be measured 
for you, and so on and so on and so on. What, what a wonderful gift God has given us in this principle of sowing and reaping, don't you think? We can use it for our own blessing, but even beyond that, God wants us to use it for the blessing of others in every area of our lives. How could the church at Galatia have forgotten that? None of us would ever forget here, I know. Do you want friends? Be consistently friendly. Do you want more responsibility in your life or around church and serving? Well, be faithful in the small things, God says. Do you want people to be kind to you? Well, be kind. Sow kindness. Do you want to be understood and accepted? Well, show understanding and acceptance to others and compassion to other people. So you're getting, you know this, don't you? You can go so on and so on. Because Jesus said it this way. He said in Luke 6.31, do to others as you would have them do to you. He's not saying we, don't, we wait for them to be good to us before we do. He's saying, no, no, you make the first move. You sow. You do to others as you'd love them to do to you. Oh, well, you know, Paul, I've tried to be friendly and no one's friendly back. Well, just keep being friendly. Well, you know, I smiled at someone once and they wondered what on earth I was up to, you know. And no one smiled. So I don't, I don't smile now. Well, keep smiling. You know, I've discovered when you smile at strangers and you walk down the street, it does something in their lives. It sort of boosts their spirit. And sure, they might wonder what you've been up to too, but that's all right. Oh, you know, I gave some money once and, you know, and, yeah, I'm still in need. Well, give some more. See, the Bible is not talking here in the sowing and reaping about one-off acts. This principle is, is, is doing good as a lifestyle. And when we do that, when we do good, because he's talking about, isn't he? He said, every opportunity, do good, do good, so good, wherever you go. When we do that, we're demonstrating to others some of the wonderful characteristics of God. What's he talking about this morning? Who loves Psalm 23? Starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. I think it's, it's the most well-known psalm ever. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible of even people that don't read the Bible. It's a very well-known. The last verse of Psalm 23 says this, doesn't it? It says, the first part says, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Some translations go, surely your goodness and your love will follow me. Some say, surely your goodness and your loving kindness will follow me. It's, some words are very hard to translate in one word and from, from the Hebrew and the Greek, right? But what this is doing is it's telling us about some of the unchanging characteristics and attributes of God. Now, I love this thought because to me it says, wherever I am, whatever happens in my life, whatever I'm going through, and if it's, if it's going through tough times or it's good times, what it's telling me here is everywhere I go behind me is God's goodness and God's love and kindness and God's mercy. Yep, it's, it's still there. I could keep checking. Go, yeah, yeah, God's, God's faithfulness is still there. Yep, yep, God's love is still there. It's really cool. Whatever I'm doing, it's following me all through my life. All those wonderful things about God are still with me, and it's still because it's happened right till now. I know that it will continue right throughout my life. Who likes that thought? I love that thought. And, you know, I can, I can do good 
by sowing those same things into other lives around me. In fact, because God's following you and me with his goodness and his mercy and loving kindness and faithfulness and forgiveness and all that stuff, other people in our slipstream are going to get blessed by what God is doing for our lives, and they're going to get it too. And we're going to sow the attributes that God, who God is, into their lives. So here we go. I thought that was cool anyway. I can't quite explain it yet because it was something new that I thought about yesterday, the day before. So the Galatians are being reminded. How are we going? No idea how long I'm supposed to speak or what time I started, but not quite finished. God's principles never change. And one of those is we reap what we sow. But here's the third one from this passage. Don't give up. Galatians 6 verse 9 again. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let's not become, we can get weary in all sorts of things. But let's not become weary in doing good. But I say it again, I, I think it's a good thing, isn't it? I get, I get tired and weary of all sorts of things. Anyone else? Get fed up with other things too. And people sometimes. But what he's telling us, don't get weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, I don't know if school is more sophisticated than when I was there, which I'm sure it is because it wasn't very sophisticated when I was there. That was the days when they were held in the Garden of Eden, the school was held in. But when we were young in school, we had the fun of learning about planting seeds and seeing what happened. And we used, you'd either put some little bean things in a dish, you know, or, and we also put them in the ground outside at school. So you have a runner bean thing where you put the runner bean and the teacher would show us how to, you know, dig and put the runner bean in the soil and, and then water it and then cover it over. And, and next day, you rush out thinking, hey, I wonder if it's all grown up. And you start to dig up and the teacher come and say, no, dear, that's not the right thing to do because... You've got to wait for the beans to grow. <laughs> you go, okay, uh, that's fine. So if, you, if you've got to keep watering and you keep hoeing and you keep weeding and not before too long, little shoots will come shooting out of the ground and it'll be really exciting for you because you'll, you'll know what's happening and that'll be the beans to come. So, okay. And sure enough, one day the little shoots come shooting out of the ground just like, the teacher said, and you thought, fantastic, my, 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 my beans are ready. But the teacher came along and said, no, 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 no dear, it's, it's okay. But you've got to wait a little bit longer for the vine to develop and grow up the fence. So eventually, the, the, you know, the vine started growing strong and growing tall and got really strong. So you climbed the vine right up through the sky to where the huge giant lives. I'm sorry that. Oh, it's the wrong page. Um, oh, I've got it again. It's okay. Phew. Um, so, you know, the vine started growing. Yeah. And one day, lovely little red flowers appeared on the vine. So you thought, I know, a teacher would love some flowers. So you go out and you pick some of the red flowers and took them and said, look, teacher, what I've got for you. That's lovely, dear. But you must leave the flowers because the beans have got to grow from the flowers. Oh, man. 
when will this ever stop, you know? But long last, the beans begin to grow and they develop and you have a harvest of beans and you probably hated beans anyway, but it's okay. And through this whole process, you learn a vital lesson, which is embedded in this principle of sowing and reaping. And it's the part we don't like all that much. It's those words at the proper time. Other translations say at the right time, or some say in due season. Oh, man. At the proper time, the right time, the beans are ready to be harvested. You weren't after the first little sprouts that came up out of the ground. You weren't after the red flowers. You were after the beans, right? And the beans would only mature and be ready to eat at the proper time. The harvest doesn't occur at the same time as the sowing. There's a time lag, and it's true both in the natural and true in the spiritual. I'm sure you know as well as I do, people were longing for a savior, for a Messiah. For hundreds of years, they were longing for God to send someone to save them, a Messiah. And Romans 5, 6 tells us, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time to, and died for us sinners. And due season, the proper time, the right time, the right place, to the right people, when everything was set in place by God, Jesus came at the right time and died for us sinners. I want to encourage you this morning. You may have been waiting for the reaping in some area for a very long time. And you've sown the seed and you've watered it with faith and you've watered it with prayer and you feel as if you've done all the right things but you're still waiting to reap the blessing. This word is for you this morning. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will will reap a harvest if we do not give up. At the proper time, in due season, at the right time. Some of you may be concerned about your children that Maybe they'll wander away from God when they're older. Or maybe some of you that are older have had a son or daughter that you seems, seems to you that they've wandered away from God or whatever. You know, let me tell you this morning, this principle of sowing and reaping still applies today to this. You sow the ways of God into them when they're young, and maybe whatever happens in the meantime or whatever, it says when they are old, they will not depart from it at the proper time. There's a gap, there's a delay in between the sowing and the reaping, and the gap is that time to water that seed with faith and tears and prayer. It's Hebrews 6.12 for me, I found really tough verse. Toughen, not that I don't understand it, but toughen the sense where sometimes I find some of the words that we find a little bit hard. You know what I'm saying? We do not want you to become, here's one, lazy. That's a tough word. But to imitate those who faith, through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It seems a harsh word when you're waiting for the answer to something to be called lazy. It's actually one of those difficult words from the Greek to translate. In one word, it also means sluggish, it means dull, it means even indifferent. And it's as if that 
waiting gap sometimes between our sowing and our reaping becomes too long for us that we become really tired of waiting for the answer and almost give up believing even the answer will ever come. So the writer here is saying this, hey, don't give up. Follow the examples of the one who've gone before you who received their promise through faith. And that other word, patience. And I get the faith bit. I don't like the patience bit. Anyone else with me? I actually understand the word impatience a lot better than patience. But unfortunately, impatience can bring a lack of perseverance. And impatience can cause us to be a bit indifferent about still waiting because we give up on something too soon and then decide we're going to get on to something else. You know, Paul, that person, that so-and-so, they got the answer real fast. Different crop, different soil, different season. Some crops mature to harvest more quickly than others. Hebrews 10, 35, 36, I'm almost through, I think. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Great verse. But what I'm going to say to you next might not please some of you. Not everything we want to see answers to are going to happen while we're here on earth. That wasn't very good English, but... Not everything we want to see answers to, we're going to see them here on earth. A lot of it won't happen until we get to heaven. Does the sowing, reaping principle happen on earth? Absolutely. Do we get answers to prayer here on earth? Of course we do. But some things won't fully be reaped until after we are long gone. Just imagine one day in heaven, and all the big screens around heaven are going to suddenly have news flash. And up on the big screens, you see a name that you really recognize and you realize it's that loved one that you were praying for for all those years and nothing seemed to move or change or happen. And up on the screen, they're there because they've suddenly given or re-given their life back to Jesus. And that's so exciting. Isn't that wonderful? It's happened. You're reaping what you're sowing in due season. The proper time. Another day, another news flash and all the screens around heaven. And you prayed for nationwide revival and year in and year out and didn't see any evidence of it. And the news flash that's come out is a revival has just broken out and thousands upon thousands of people are coming, being swept into the kingdom of God. Wow, guess what? You're reaping what you sowed while you're on earth. And there's something else. The blessing you're enjoying in your life today is partly the reaping of someone else's sowing. The very fact we've got the word of God to read this morning and be blessed by it is because someone sowed their lives into seeing it brought to us. The very fact we can be in this building today is because someone sowed into the investment, let this building be built and let it be available. It's all so many things today. 
The very reason you're even here and know that you love Jesus is because you have no idea, but maybe way back somebody prayed for you. You may not even know their name. But you are the result of what they sowed in prayer. They prayed. They gave. You're reaping the benefit. We reap what we sow. Let us not become weary in doing good. But the proper time, the right time, and due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Ask the team to come back and let's we stand together as they're arriving back behind me here and close our eyes for a moment. If you want to stay seated to do this, it's just as works just as well. What is it this morning that you've been sowing into and are yet to see the reaping? Is it something that you've become so weary in the gap that you're not really, almost can hardly think about it or pray for it anymore? Water the seed with prayer. Water the seed with your faith again. Don't give up. Believe God. The right time. God is going to bring an answer. It may not be in your earth in your time that you see it on earth. But I'll tell you, God knows what he's doing. He sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's walked the whole way from eternity to eternity. Our little time here is so little. God knows it all. Wonder this morning if there's something you've dropped and have felt you can't believe for anymore. And as I've spoken, maybe the Holy Spirit's spoken into your heart saying, don't let it go. Keep believing. You've sowed. God brings the reaping. He's the one that gets the glory. As every eye is closed right now, you've got something that you're saying, yeah, there, there is something I've let, and I want to just again let it be watered by my faith and by my prayer this morning. You just quickly raise your hand so I know that you're going to pick it up and start to pray again and start to believe. Anything you're going to believe God for, just hold those hands for a little while. More like an offering rather than a signal that it's you. That's cool. For all of us this morning, Father, we say to you, thank you so much that people have sown for us that we reap the benefit in our lives today. Thank you so much, Lord, that people prayed for us, invested in us. We reap the blessing. Help us as your people, Lord, to always do good. But as your loving kindness and your mercy and your faithfulness and your love and your grace all follow us, wherever we go behind us, Lord, we pray that we will have those attributes to bless other people's lives. Sowing it into them, doing good for them, that we'd re- they'd reap harvests that would all give you the glory. It's not for us, oh God, it's unto you. It's all praise unto you. We thank you, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen.